we weren't sure if that was going to work or not this morning with the weather. Um, but that was it. That was Pastor Rob, um, part of our executive staff there. And it was funny talking to all of you guys coming in. You guys would have thought that it was uh, eight feet of snow out there. The way you trudged and made your way to church this morning. Uh, is this the Texas way? I'm trying to, you need to help me acclimate a little bit. Um, uh, most of you know that I was in Wisconsin for 14 years, and so it was always fun when it would snow, eight feet of snow on Saturday night, to, um, to see the people trudge their way to church, and they would. Um, and so I'm just saying that a little water <laughs> just doesn't compare to eight feet of snow that people are willing to go to to get to church. And I know I don't need to say that all of you, you guys made it to church. Way to go. <laughs> all right, get your Bibles out. We're finishing up a series around here that we have been calling Frequency. And we've been talking about that when it comes to hearing the voice of God, that we need to put ourselves in a position to tune in and to hear his voice because he is speaking. Isn't that right, folks? God still speaks today. The only question is whether or not are we tuned into the right frequency. In other words, are you putting yourself in a position to hear and respond to the voice of God? Look at this again, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. See, God wants to talk to you. He wants to give you instruction. He wants to give you guidance. He wants to give you counsel. He wants to help you with the different things that you face here in this life. And he wants to put you in the right place at the right time. And one of the chief characteristics of being a son or a daughter of God is that you're being led by the voice of God. This isn't something that's just left and um, reserved for those who are somehow extraordinary or elite few of Christians who some way, somehow have a deeper relationship with God. And, and this isn't something that should just happen once in a blue moon. No, if you're a child of God, then you should be hearing the voice of God on a regular basis. And I just think this is so imperative because every one of us needs to hear the voice of God. Because hearing the voice of God may be the difference between literal life and death for you. Hearing the voice of God may be the difference between flourishing and languishing Hearing the voice of God may be the difference between having an open door and a closed door. And hearing the voice of God is definitely the difference between walking in the supernatural and just walking in the natural. And let me say it again. You were created to walk in the supernatural. And when you do that, that's when life really gets exciting. And so the first week we talked about in this series that I'm a sheep. I'm one who can hear the shepherd's voice. Jesus said that I'm the good shepherd. And my sheep hear his voice. And so I'm a sheep. Then we talked about that I'm a friend. One who then can hear and understand what God is doing. God wants to share with you as his friend his purposes and his plans. He wants to bring you in on kind of the inner world of what's happening. He wants to bring you in on those strategies. And in the last couple of weeks, we were talking about that I'm a receiver. One who not only can hear on the voice of God and tune into the voice of God, but there is ways that he does lead us by using his voice, by speaking to us. And we, we talked about different ways that God speaks to us, some of those practical ways that God speaks to us the last several weeks. Well, this morning, I'm going to finish up this series by talking about that I'm a prophet. And if you want, why don't you turn to your neighbor and look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you are prophetic. Don't say pathetic. 
All right, that wouldn't be good. Don't call your neighbor pathetic. Tell your neighbor you are prophetic. Come on, do it again. Prophetic. All right, so just like I need to see myself as a sheep, and just as I need to see myself as a friend of God, just as I need to see myself as a receiver, I need to see myself as a prophet, one who not only can hear the voice of God, but one who then can communicate what I hear to encourage others. Look at this in Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse 24. You can follow along on the screen as well. It says, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the other was Medad. And the third brother's name was Yodad. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're paying attention. I just wanted to make and check to see if this rain somehow made your brain mush. That's not what it says, sorry. And the Spirit, this is where it is, and the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out of the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And the young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now, I want to give you three points here this morning about um, being a prophet. Number one, all can prophesy. All can prophesy. Look again, verse 25. It says, And the Lord came down in the cloud... And spoke to him and took the spirit that was upon him, placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Now, I want you to notice that with these 70 elders, that they prophesied, but then they never did it again. Why? Well, the reason is because the Holy Spirit came on them, but the Holy Spirit didn't remain on them. And when you read your Old Testament, you'll see this over and over and over again. That the Holy Spirit would descend upon people, but then the Holy Spirit would be taken from them. And the reason for this is because of the issue of sin. God and sin are incompatible. They do not mix. And so God's presence couldn't remain on people. But look at verse 29. It says, And Moses said to them, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. See, Moses was crying out to God, oh, wouldn't it be great if all of God's people could prophesy? That's what Moses' cry, his heart was when he saw this happening to his people. Well, that's exactly what happened through Jesus' life and death and his resurrection. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 16. It says, but this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, so that's everybody, you're either a son or your daughter, shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and my maid servants, again, that's everybody, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they, who are they, that's all believers, and they shall prophesy. Apostle Peter, he's describing here in this scene 
um, all, to all these masses of people who had assembled around them after Jesus' resurrection and after the upper room here. All these people are assembled around these disciples. And, and so Peter begins to explain this is what they were seeing and this is what they were hearing was that the Holy Spirit had been poured out then on all of them, just as Joel had prophesied 750 years earlier. Acts chapter 2 is the answer to Moses' prayer. Oh God, that you would put your spirit on all his children and that all God's people would be prophets. This is the fulfillment. Moses' prayer, this is the fulfillment of it right here in Acts chapter 2. And because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit not only came on Jesus' disciples, but the Holy Spirit for the very first time since Adam and Eve now remained on them. That's when the Holy Spirit was dispersed amongst all, all people, just as the prophet Joel had prophesied, which means because Jesus dealt with the issue of sin in our lives, now we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit not only to descend upon us, but for the Holy Spirit to remain on you. Now, when I say remain, you need to understand that that doesn't always mean that you yield to him. Remaining and yielding are two separate things. You're going to always have a choice whether or not you're going to yield to the Holy Spirit. But what this does mean is that the Holy Spirit no longer comes and goes in your life depending upon if you're good or you're evil. The Holy Spirit no longer does that. If you've given your life to Jesus, your sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. That's the miracle of Easter that we're celebrating here. And that's why the Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus, you're now righteous. That word righteous means that you're in right standing with God. You're justified. The easy way to remember justified is just how it sounds. I'm just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. The Bible declares you as justified. And so now the presence of God, His Holy Spirit, doesn't have to come and go depending upon how good or evil or how holy you are. Now the Holy Spirit remains in our lives and the Holy Spirit walks right beside you every second of the day. He's already there with you. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31, For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Now notice it says all. This is what Moses had prayed for, that all of God's people would prophesy. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, yeah, it's, it's happened. All may prophesy. You know what that word all means? It means all. You're not excluded from that bunch. You are included in that word all. All can prophesy. Now what is prophecy? Well, very simply, prophecy is giving a message from God to someone else. That's what prophecy is, giving a message from God to someone else, which means if all can prophesy, that means all can hear God's voice. Because how can you prophesy if you haven't heard a message from God that you're to deliver then to others? So if Paul says all can prophesy, that means all, all of us, what's the Texas way of saying that? All y'all, all y'all, can hear God. I'm going to learn this, I tell you. We're going to figure this out. See, God is speaking to you. 
He's constantly speaking to us because the Holy Spirit is right there beside you. And everything that you go through, he's right there. He doesn't come and go. He's always right there with you. The Holy Spirit, he remains there with you no matter what you're going through. And the Holy Spirit doesn't have a gag over his mouth. We're thinking, what? What did you say? The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit's not mute. And the Holy Spirit's not playing a game of charade with you. God, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He's not playing charades with us, and he's not a third baseman coach using all these hand actions of what we're supposed to do, or or is that the Macarena? I'm not quite sure. But either way, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that with us. Look at what Jesus said In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not, what's the word? He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will what? He will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and he has input on things not only that you're going through, but things that people around you are going through. A couple of weeks ago, I flew back to Wisconsin to do a wedding for uh, a couple. Actually, the, the young lady, um, she was one of my worship leaders up in Wisconsin, and, and uh, she had been probably, can I say this? It's, uh, it's, it's recorded. I probably shouldn't say this. Um, I was going to say she was one of my favorite worship leaders. <laughs> but she, we had done dozens and dozens of weddings together. And uh, as a result, you know, there's only so many things you say at a wedding, you know, basically. But what my personal thing is I always try to speak directly into that couple's lives and what they're going through. And, and so I, I, I wanted to share some things differently because, number one, she was special to me in, in our relationship and as a pastor and a worship leader. And, but also I felt like there was something that God wanted to speak into that situation, into that day as they were starting their new lives. So I just had that impression in my heart. So I began just to pray about that and to ask God, God, what is it that you might want to say to them? And, and about a week before I left to fly back up there, I felt like God gave me this vision that was attached to this understanding of what he wanted to speak on that day. And I wrote it down. I want to share a little bit with you here. Um, just because I want to show you how God does speak to us. And and this is what I shared with them on their wedding day. So he gave me this vision. In this vision, I saw two musical staves. Now, if you're not musical, you're going to probably, you're not going to get as much out of this because they were very, both of them are very musical. And God was speaking directly then to them. So I saw these two musical staves. And a musical staff is a set of five horizontal lines and four spaces that each represent a different kind of, a different musical pitch. And then appropriate musical symbols, depending upon the intended effect, are placed on the staff according to the corresponding pitch or function. And in this vision, I saw a note just being carelessly thrown on both of these staves, but it was random and chaotic, and the sound that was coming out as a result of these notes being thrown on these two staves was screeching to the ears. But then I saw a clef sign placed on the staves, and all of a sudden, the randomness of the notes and the screeching of the sound stopped. And it caused a grounding of the sound to occur, and immediately there was this beautiful sound that started coming out of that staff. The second staff still didn't have a clef sign, and so there was still this ear-piercing screeching 
that was coming out of that second staff. But eventually, I saw a cleft sign placed on that staff as well, and immediately the randomness of the notes and the screeching of the sound stopped, and it caused a grounding of the sound to occur. And out of that staff as well, there came this beautiful sound. And in this vision, I saw this vertical line come seemingly out of nowhere, and it connected these two staves together. And all of a sudden, the sound that was independent of each other that were coming from these two separate staves were now being played simultaneously in concert together, and the most beautiful music could be heard. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say, these two staves are Kelsey and Dan. I created each of them with the ability to produce the most beautiful sound. But early on in each of their lives, this world and the devil and others were throwing notes onto their staves with such random and chaotic and sharp edge to them that only screeching could be heard. But when my radiant daughter Kelsey let go of control and gave her life fully to me, I put my clef on her staff and it grounded her and it caused the notes to now make sense. Even the sharp and random notes that at one time caused chaos and confusion were now brought into this beautiful arrangement that began to play through her life. And then when my courageous son Dan let go of control and gave his life fully to me, I put my clef on his staff and it grounded him and caused the notes to now make sense in his life. Even the sharp and random notes that at one time caused chaos and confusion to him and to others were now brought into this beautiful arrangement that began to play through his life. And it was then that I came, and as that vertical line connected their two staffs together so that this magnificent symphony could be played through their lives. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say to each of them, Know that people, the world and the devil, will still try to throw sharp notes onto your staffs, but I have made you two, made you two into a grand staff, and as in music, only a single performer can play the music from a grand staff. So know that I am that single performer in your lives. I am the maestro of your combined lives. I am the virtuoso who's able to take those seemingly sharp, random notes that will get thrown onto your staves and add to those notes my notes and make it into something absolutely beautiful. And those notes that get thrown into your lives that seem to combine to make a minor or even dissonant chord, know that I am the one who's able to bring even that into resolve. So commit all your ways to me and trust me, your lives are in my hands and through my hands this magnificent symphony will be heard and you will bring honor to my name. It was interesting as I was sharing this to them, it was horrible because they were both bawling. And it's the worst thing in a wedding ceremony as a pastor to have the couple just bawling in front of you because then that makes me cry. And so I was biting my lips and pinching myself, trying to keep myself composed to be able to share these things with them. But you need to understand, God speaks, and God can and wants to speak through you. And so all can prophesy, all, you, me, we can prophesy. That's what the Word of God says. And then number two, though, prophecy is not manipulative. This is really important. Prophecy is not manipulative. In other words, prophecy is not something that you do to get people to do what you want them to do. That's not what prophecy is. You don't just feel something for someone and add the words, thus saith the Lord, and then call it prophecy. That's not what prophecy is. That's spiritual manipulation, folks. That's spiritual abuse, people. That is not prophecy. And look what God has to say about that. Jeremiah 23, 25 and 26. 
I've heard what those prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Independent they are prophets of deceit of their own heart. Indeed, they are prophets of deceit of their own heart. That's 25 and 26. You drop down a couple more verses, 30 and 31. It says, therefore, behold, I'm against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from their neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says. And then Ezekiel 22, verse 28, it says, her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies from them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. Listen, folks, please be careful. Yes, God speaks. And yes, you can hear God's voice. And yes, all of us can prophesy. But you need to be careful because we can all miss it. Every one of us can miss it. There are all these voices vying for our attention. And so it's easy to come to wrong conclusions or to jump forward on something that we think God is saying and to try to speak that into somebody else's life. We can all miss it. And that's why I think it's always better to not use the words, thus saith the Lord, when you're trying to communicate something that God is speaking. Instead, just say, yeah, I've been praying for you. And as I've been praying for you, which would presuppose that you are praying for them, as I've been praying for you, I feel like I put something in my heart and I would like to share that with you. Can I just kind of, can I, can, can I submit that to you? Did you hear what I said? First of all, I was praying for this person, and as I was praying for this I believe God put something in my heart, but I'm going to submit that to them, versus saying, thus saith the Lord. Can any of you remember what the third commandment is? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, obviously, that means we're not supposed to use the name of the Lord in a profane way. And boy, would I wish society would get a hold of this one. Boy, would I wish Christians would get a hold of this one. It's right there. It's the third commandment. But I think it means more than just that because the word vain means selfishness. In other words, don't take or use the name of the Lord in any selfish way. Don't take the name of the Lord or use the name of the Lord for selfish reasons where you say what it is that you want to happen and then you just add the words thus saith the lord in other words thus saith the lord gary you're to give me a hundred bucks <laughs> that would go against the third commandment that god has given that's spiritual manipulation that's spiritual abuse and so when someone comes up to you and says i have a word from the lord for you you need to have your spiritual antennas raise up a little bit. Now, not critical antennas, discerning antennas. Because you need to be able to discern whether or not this is actually a word from God or not. Because listen, when it's a word from God, he's already been speaking to you. And prophecy, all it does is just confirm or reaffirm what he's actually been speaking to you or giving you a frame of reference for things you just didn't quite understand at the time. A bunch of years ago, I had a lady make an appointment with me, and she said that, that God had get, um, spoken something to her, given something to her that she wanted to be able to share with me. And so she made an appointment. She came in, and after him hawing a bunch of, t a bunch of while, several minutes, she finally said that she had a dream, and God showed her some things about me. 
and God had spoken to her and said that I was having an affair. I was having an affair with a woman. Now, you need to understand my perspective. So number one, I understand and I believe all can prophesy. But I also believe that we can miss it and we can rush to false conclusions. And so my, what I try to do is then, okay, I want to be gracious and try to help people understand the process and not just dismiss things too quickly. And so I press in a little bit. I said, so what did you see? What was it that actually, you know, so because one of the things I was wondering was, did she just rush to a conclusion? Because here's the thing, I was not having an affair. I am not having an affair. And, and so I was wondering, so did she misinterpret what she was hearing? Because for a lot of pastors, we can get priorities out of order, and the church can be like an affair. And so, so could it have been that what she was hearing, what she was seeing, was that maybe that, that my priorities had gone bad, and God was trying to interrupt that in my, in my life? But she said, oh, no, no. You're having an affair with this specific woman. I know who that woman is. She's in the church. I said, well, can you tell me what her name is? Because I was thinking, well, maybe this woman has an intent to have an affair with, with me. Maybe that's what's going on. She said, oh, no, I can't tell you the name of that, of that woman. I said, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, you, she said, you know what you're supposed to do because you're having this affair with this woman. <laughs> well, my mom was in the office. She was working that day at the church. And so I brought my mom in. And I, said, I put my mom right there, right beside her, and I said, can you explain to my mom what it is? And at first she was, Ugh, your mom, how do you tell your, your mom? But she went ahead and said it, and so my mom started quizzing her about this. Long story short, that this was a, a lady who was a relatively new believer and was trying to understand, still trying to understand um, just all this you know, how the Holy Spirit works, how God works in our lives, and dreams, and visions, and hearing things. And she just got it completely all messed up because she has this background of witchcraft. And she was mingling all sorts of things, and it ends up that she was, she was I don't know if it was intentionally or unintentionally, it was all spiritual manipulation and abuse. She was trying to weasel her way in there for control. And it all came out um, several months later. But my point is, we need to raise... Our, our spiritual antennas for, of discernment. We can all prophesy, but the reality is you can never use it to bring manipulation. Prophecy isn't manipulative. And so always submit what you think that you're hearing then to others. You can miss it. And here's the last one. Prophecy is encouraging. Prophecy is encouraging. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now notice the three components uh, or the purposes of prophecy. Number one, edification. Number two, exhortation. And number three, comfort. That's the purpose of prophecy. The word edification in the original Greek language where this text was written is the word oikodome. And that word means to build up, like in the creation of the foundation of a building, to edify, to encourage. The word exhortation in the original Greek language, which this was written in, is the word parkalesis. And that word means to implore, to entreat, to encourage. And then the word comfort in the original language is the word paramothea. And that word means to console, to comfort, to encourage. 
Now, did you notice the common elements of all three of these descriptive words? To encourage. All three of them are different dimensions of the word encourage. The purpose of prophecy is to bring encouragement to the hearer. Several years ago, a couple came into my office and they said they had someone who had given them a word. They said it was from God, but it brought, ever since they heard this word, it brought all this turmoil into their lives to the point where they just weren't sleeping well. They didn't know what to do with the word. Well, as soon as I said that, I said, well, that's not a word from God. And they said, well, how do you know? I said, well, put it to the scriptural test. I said, does the word edify you? No. Does the word encourage you? No. Does the word comfort you? No. Well, then it's not a word from God. You hear me? Because the purpose of prophecy is to bring encouragement to the hearer. And so if it doesn't bring encouragement to you, then it's not a prophetic word from God. Look again, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31. It says, For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Now notice the three components to this verse. The first component is what we already talked about. All can prophesy. Let me say it again. You can prophesy. You can hear God's voice. You can prophesy. The second component is all may learn. In other words, we need to learn how to hear God's voice. We need to learn how to put ourselves in a position to respond and to hear what God is saying. We need to learn how to discern the difference between all these voices out there that are vying for our attention and our allegiance. We need to learn. And then the third component is all may be encouraged. That's the purpose of God speaking something to you so that you can use that to bring courage then to others. And what I want you to see here this morning is that you are prophetic. You really are. That's what the Bible says. You are prophetic. You're not pathetic. You're prophetic. That's what God says. But as a prophetic person, that needs to change then how you see yourself and the situations that you come in contact with. That needs to change how you see others and what other people are going through. And that needs to change how you see the world and what's happening in our world today. Because being a prophetic means that you see the world differently, and as a result, you speak into the world differently. In other words, instead of just doing what you think you should do, instead of just following the flow of the world and what you're, you normally do and what everybody else does, no, you stop knowing that God has input into every situation that you face. Do you know that? Every situation that you come in contact, God has input for you into those situations. And so you stop and then you listen to what it is that God is saying. So you stop, you listen, and then you speak into that situation or to that person from the heart and insight of God that you just heard him speak. Being prophetic means it changes how then you live your life and how you approach all these different situations that you come in context with. Because not only is God speaking to you, but God wants to speak through you to encourage others. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen from the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. 
That's you. That's what you're called to do. You are the fulfillment of Moses' prayer way back then, those thousands of years ago, that all of God's people, the Holy Spirit would rest upon you and you would be able to prophesy, you'd be able to speak his voice into the culture, into the situations that you face. That's you. That's what you're called to do. You're called to see the world differently and then speak into the world differently. Why? Because you're tuning in to hear God's voice. And I'm telling you, folks, just one word from God can change the entire situation that you're in. Just one. Just one word from God can change the whole situation that someone else is in. Just one word from God can change what's happening in the world today. We have a thing around here at church called Catalyst. And it's our kind of internal discipleship program. We're trying to raise people up. And we do a thing in, in the third part in Catalyst 3 where it's all about discovering your purpose. Why did God create you? Of all the people in the world, what did he intend? What did he have in, in his heart when he created you? He had, a, he had a thought. He had something that he wanted us to fulfill. And so Catalyst 3 is all about trying to discover what that is and what are the things that have been thwarting that from happening, keeping it from us walking in our purpose and our mission. And so part of the process during these weeks that we go through Catalyst 3 is we spend time trying to understand what that is and asking God and researching and looking at what our purpose is so that at the end, that hopefully we have insight, we have greater insight of what our purpose is, and we create then this purpose statement or this mission statement that we then start living our lives by. And one of the things that we do in this is that the, yeah, coming to the end of this, we do a 40 days of consecration, which is intentionally just setting aside time and doing things to put ourselves in a position to tune in to hear his voice. That's what it's all about, leading up to this kind of commencement time. And so one of the things uh, we... Um, we break up in small groups with guys and gals, and I lead um, here, at, uh, here at church, the, the guys group. And we have 12 guys or 13 guys or something like that in our men's group. One of the things that the guys decided they wanted to do as part of their 40 days of consecration was to do a night watch. Great idea, um, but practically speaking, it stings because you stay up all night. And so Friday night, we did that. We were over in the youth room over here, and so we had 13 guys. Who are the guys in the Catalyst 3 group? Can the men, so the men, stand up on your feet. See some of you guys here. See if you woke up to come to church this morning. <laughs> so we had, we had close back there. We had, we had these guys, and, and, so, and so they were all kind of grumbling and complaining leading up to it, and they said they're going to fall asleep at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and, uh, but one of the things that we did throughout the night was to take time not just to pray for each other, but to take time when we're praying for each other to listen what God might want to say on behalf of that person, for that person, how to encourage that person. And so we did that for every one of the 12 men that were there. And, and this is what I told the men. I said, this is what we're going to do. You can hear. You can hear. Don't rely upon me. You, you can hear what God is saying. And after we get through praying, I want you to be able to speak what you feel like you just heard God say to input and to bring encouragement into their, their lives. And for many of the men, this was maybe the first time that they'd ever done that. But let me just say, it was fantastic. It was amazing what God did throughout the night. And nobody fell asleep, by the way. We were awake all, all night and had breakfast in the morning and then we left. And then I think we all crashed after that. But um, it was fantastic watching God use these men, because here's, let me say it again, you can hear. 
We just got to put ourselves in a position to hear. And we need to learn how to listen and learn how to recognize his voice and then recognize how to communicate it. Communicate what I just saw, what I just heard. And that's what we did all night long. It was, it was an amazing evening with, with these men. And I want to just say, this is what God has. This is the adventure that God has. I'm just telling you, just one word from God changes what you're going through. That's all it is. And the people that are around you. And so I want to challenge you even this week to as you're going through life, just your normal life, as you're standing in, in the line at HEB, there are people around you. Just ask, God, is, is there something that you would like me to encourage this person in as I'm just standing here? Again, you don't just say, thus saith the Lord. You can just encourage. Just start by encouraging somebody and then see what God does. You know what the word encourage means? Encourage means to put courage in. Isn't that great? Encourage means to put courage in, which means discourage means to take courage out. Watch what happens with your mouth this week. Are you encouraging people or are you discouraging people? Are you putting courage in people or are you taking courage out? I want you to close your eyes here if you would as we end. And I want you to just kind of let this sink into you because the Bible specifically says you can hear God. You really can. You can hear God. And the Bible specifically says that you can prophesy. You really can. That's what... What God says, that's what his word says, which means you can speak an encouraging message from God to someone else. That's what prophecy is all about. Prophecy is all about encouraging each other. And so even as you're going about, like I just said, what can you do this week specifically just to encourage people? Just start with that and let, let God take it from there. And so I want you to just let that kind of stir in your heart here this morning because I really believe that God wants there to be a whole bunch of field agents out there in the world who will go around and just put courage in people's lives God wants to use you God wants to put people around around you so that you can put courage in it to them and so Father I pray for every one of us here this morning Father for all the different situations that we're in. God, we recognize you've already been moving here. Through our time of just conversation before service, through our time of singing and worship and our response to things that you are. We, God, we recognize you're already here. You're already working in us. You're already stirring our hearts. And so, Father, I pray that this would never be something that just gets locked up in a church building. But that, God, we would be ones that just as Moses prayed that we would be your people out there in the world where your presence rests on us and then we begin to just speak into those situations. And God, I pray, that God, that you would shift us out of just doing the same old, same old. God, that you would shift us out of just approaching the different situations in the natural, but God, that we would have a greater revelation and a greater recognition that you are right with us. You're right here. That your Holy Spirit is right with us. Whether we're doing good things or bad things, that you don't leave us, you don't withdraw from us, that you're that ever-present help in times of trouble, that you're that brother that sticks closer than a friend, that we can't run 
from you. We can't hide from you. That you're already there when we go. And you're there when we are there. God, your presence, you, you don't change. You don't leave us. And so, Father, I pray that that revelation, that recognition would impact then how we interface with the world, how we interact with our students in the classroom this week, as we interact with our coworkers and our, our bosses, and as we interact with our family, that realizing that you are there and that you have input into those situations so that, God, that we would stop and that we would listen and that we would speak into those situations, that we would be your mouthpiece here this week. So God, stir that up in our hearts. Stir it up in our lives. God, help us to, to fully walk this out, I pray in Jesus' name. We're going to take communion here together. I love this. It's just part of our service on Sundays and because there's interaction that happens here. There's there's an aspect of greater willingness and a greater surrender that happens. And let me just say that, that everything about following God is about surrender, where I surrender more. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender what I think should happen. I surrender my desires. I surrender the good and the bad. That's what happens in our walk in every part of our day. It's a, it's a day of greater surrender. Well, that's what this table is about. Where Jesus said, I give you my life, will you give me yours? The Bible describes that the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant is poured out for you for the remission of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. The reason why, the reason why we can hear God is because of what Jesus did. The reason why this is not a day about you doing better and doing more and being a better person and doing all these good things is because of what Jesus did already. He has already done it. And the Bible says that he's given everything that we need now for life and godliness. He's the initiator of the covenant, but he asks us, do you want to be a beneficiary? Do you want to come into this covenant that he has formed? And so that's what this is about. And so here this morning, as, as part of your worship, as part of this service here, answer the question. Yes, God, I, I want to surrender. Or maybe you're struggling with it. Maybe you think there's things in your life. And boy, it feels like, oh, that's an intrusion. You feel like I have all this junk in my life. Can God really love me? The answer is yes. Yes, he already decided that. There's nothing that you can do to cause God to love you more. Because he already does. He's already chosen to love you. That's why our only response is thank you. Thank you. And yes, I, I want this. And so there are stations in front of the two sections here. So how we're going to do this is you don't have to be a member here at one chapel to be part of communion. This is not set by us. This is something that Jesus does. And, and so you're welcome to this table. If you've given Jesus um, your life already, then this is a celebration point, a reinforcement of that. If you've not done that, you can do that right now. 
The Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so you can do that right here and then enter into everything that we were talking about this morning, about having this incredible relationship with him because that's what he wants for you. There's a table set in each of these sections. What we're going to do is the team leads us just in worship that you're going to exit on your right. We're going to start with the front row, go back, exit from the right, circle around, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then take it back to your seat. And there, right there, just have that moment with God. Come on, let's do this here together. This is not just a one-sided thing. God has been here all along, and there's things that he still wants to do in your life. So if you'd like somebody just to stand with you and agree with you, to pray with you, whatever you're going through, that's what these people are here to do. Um, and you're always welcome, just every service, you're always welcome just to linger and let God just continue to work in your life. We've entered fully into Easter season. Next Sunday's Palm Sunday. Can you believe it? Palm Sunday, what a great celebration. That's why we're doing kind of the all-church potluck. Please come back, bring, bring your friends, bring lots of food that we have to share, and we'll have the, the Easter egg hunt for the kids to have fun with. Don't worry about the weather, because if the weather, if you're scared about today and the weather's bad, we'll still have it. We'll just, we'll do the Easter egg hunt inside. How's that? Let me just speak a blessing over you as you go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and now give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. Have a great week. Bring courage to those around you in Jesus' name. God bless you.